The weekend just got more entertaining. It's Weekend Joe on Claves Online, driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura. Hear from some of the big names in St. Louis and national sports every weekend. And now, here's Joe Roderick and me, I'm Andy Hanselman. And welcome on in to another episode of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganats Alton Toyota, Munganats St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside, as always, by Andy Hanselman, remotely still, as we uh, are in the tail end of the month of June. Andy, uh, well, first off, hello, and as people are listening to this on Saturday, happy birthday. Joe, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big number. I'm 43 this year. I saw that. I went and I looked, uh, looked to see what you were turning, and I saw the, I saw the 43 number. Man, that means I'm in my uh, mid 40s. Nah, you're still in your early. No, you're not. 45 is mid 40s. 44 is also mid 40s. I would still, when I am 44, I'm still saying I'm in my early 40s. I think 43 is mid 40s. Nope, no, early. Oh, God, that's early 40s. I just entered my mid-30s. I just entered my mid-30s. Okay. All right, I'll go with that then. Yeah. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah. Then when you get to about 48, then you're in your late 40s. Okay, I'll go for that. That sounds good. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't age yourself too much uh, for that. So no, age is, age is only, it's, it's just a number. It's how you feel. Right. They say 43 is the new 33, so. Okay, if that's what they're saying. If that's what they're saying, that's fine. I can tell you this. So uh, yesterday, June 19th, was the one-year anniversary for my last uh, ACL surgery that I had a, uh, a year ago. So I, uh, I, I've, I, did a, I did a little reflecting on that, uh, on that day, on that milestone marker, knowing what, uh, what I am capable of doing uh, these days uh, as far as running, biking, all that stuff goes. So I, uh, I was very happy that I reached that one-year mark. It's very exciting. Congratulations on uh, on one year, and uh, I'm glad that. And uh, you were we're talking a little before the show. You said so you're still in a little bit of pain from time to time, which I imagine is probably pretty normal. But it's always uh, going to be there. Would, it's yeah. So I'm, I'm glad uh, we're one year out. You can probably start doing all of your normal activities again. That's what they say. So I mean, I've yet to swing a golf club. I've swung a baseball bat, but I haven't like hit a ball. I just swing it in the garage, and. Uh, you know, it's it's nothing twisting, turning, but I think most of that is because of everything going on. That nothing, that everything's pretty much been canceled, so I haven't had a reason to go swing a bat or, or anything. So I don't know where that is, but I do have that uh, that very very strong knee brace that I was given last year once I tore it that I do plan on wearing whenever I play sports. Is it stronger than other knee braces? I mean, it's got like two bars of metal in each side of it. Oh my goodness! So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is the one with the torn ACL last year. I was able to play. I was able to play softball and baseball, and it was it was like there was nothing wrong with me when I had this knee brace on. It's very uncomfortable to wear, Andy. It's not. I mean, you have to like there are just two flat metal bars on each side of my knee, just compressing the whole thing together, so none of the ligaments or anything come come out. 
I would also suspect that that restricts a lot of movement. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I you don't because you really don't think about your knee moving like side to side like that, but it absolutely does. I mean, you you couldn't probably twist very much in there, could you? No, no, not really. But I mean, I was able to swing a swing a bat last year, so that was fine. I mean, I wouldn't try doing any kind of like diving or any kind of cuts because I feel like if I were to do something like strong enough to where I were to bend or snap that metal, like that would have really hurt too. That means I like really torqued it. It would have been like when Forrest Gump broke out of his braces when he started running. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, I, I have, it's funny. I do have like set knee braces for what I am doing on particular days. Like I, I do, I have my everyday knee brace. I have like a long distance knee brace. I have one if I'm doing other kind of activities. And then this one will be like my baseball, softball knee brace that I have yet to, uh, yet to really bring out. Like I put it on just to make sure and uh, see how it fits. But that's, yeah, that's, that's where I am with my life. It happens, Joe. No, when you're a, when you're a trained hardcore athlete, such as yourself, Absolutely, you're going to have, yeah. you're going to have yeah. I mean, you're going to get injured in the grocery store from time to time. It's just going to happen. Shut up. (laughs) For those unfamiliar with it, uh, yeah, I tore my meniscus five years ago um, in in a grocery store, just turning and it's snapping. So, yeah, for people unfamiliar with with that that story. Hey, uh, coming up on the show today, Andy, we have Rob Fisher of the Memphis Grizzlies and... We have Matt Snyder talking a little baseball with him. And then my friend, comedian Kostaki Economopoulos, will be on as well. We'll uh, tell some jokes. We'll talk to him about life as a comedian right now, not being able to go on tour, not being able to perform and what that's been like. So that's what we have coming up on the show today. It's, It's going to be a weird conversation with Matt Snyder because it's recorded on Friday. And depending on when you're listening to this right now, Saturday, Sunday, whenever it is, Baseball could have their deal in place and they are so close to having this framework figured out, but we don't know the specific details of it. So sitting here and discussing it right now, we know what's going to happen. We just don't know the precise actual details of it. So we know that the owners uh, wanted a 60-game season. The players countered with a 70-game season. Uh, Jason Stark tweeted that a 66-game schedule is actually perfect for balancing it out. Uh, so I would I would hope that they could would meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah, your interview with uh, with Matt could be totally irrelevant uh, here by uh, here on Saturday. I don't. You said uh, I don't think it's going to be irrelevant because I, we know. We know the pieces that are in place. Right. And so I I just, I mean, we're not going to sit here and discuss and break down what the Cardinals record would be in a 68 game schedule. And then they come out with a 64 game schedule. We're not going to do things like that. It's going to be a lot of talking about how the game of baseball will change with the DH and how this might affect going into labor agreements in 2022. And just why it took so long, those type of things that will that will happen. 
and also a lot of ripping on not only Rob Manfred, but also the way the Players Association has handled it. The Players Association really did have a chance to come out of this looking so so much better than the, the actual owners did. And they they screwed it up so much because they have just been so fast to going. I mean, when Rob Manfred and Tony Clark meet in Arizona and sit in a room for hours talking and come out of it and they're like, all right, hey, we got this deal in place. Let's go. And then baseball turns around. The players turn around and go, nope, not good enough. Why they just you guys just wasted so much time and it, it really I mean why why and why keep going back and forth with these proposals when you're so close to everything just figure the damn thing out just sit down and say hey look you guys want 60 games we want 70 games hey instead of us posting this on social media and going back and forth why don't we just sit down and figure out how to make 66 games work And then we come out and we announce it that way. And we say, you know what? Wait, we're not coming out of this room until everything's figured out. Why go about it in such an immature and just ridiculous way? It really is, you know, you and I both probably have those those people that we know from high school that we aren't friends with, but we're friends with them on social media. And Andy, they like to post their baby mama or baby daddy drama all over Facebook and you just sit there and you go, God, I wonder why I haven't talked to them since the you know late '90s, early 2000s. It's exactly right. I mean, the first of all, the the airing of the dirty laundry uh, on Facebook doesn't do anybody any good, whether or not whether you're MLB, the MLBPA, or your friend from high school. Keep that stuff to yourself. I'll tell you what, I'm screenshotting that stuff. If you post it, if you post your baby mama drama, I'm taking a screenshot of it. Whether we've talked since 2001 or not, I'm still taking a screenshot of that, and I'm sending it to friends that I still talk to. Well, as you should, because yep. it's funny. Yeah. I think you kind of buried the lead there by saying that the, the Players Association really had a chance to uh, look good and really be the shining star in all of this, and they blew it. They absolutely blew it. When they when when playing all these little mind games with the owners and the owners are playing mind games with the players, too. But the owners never look good in the eyes of anybody. The owners are always viewed as greedy and the players are sometimes viewed as greedy, but not as greedy as the owners. And the players had a chance to look good and to be playing baseball or being very close to playing baseball at this point. We probably they were supposed to be two weeks from playing baseball right now. And instead, now we're looking at a start date around July, the, I think they said July 16th, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, and even still, it's still not even done as, as we record this. Right. No. And it will be, uh, Klaibs and I were talking earlier and it's, I would say by the time we do our lunch show on Monday, I would say we have an idea of what is going to be happening for the, uh, for the season and, it's just it's going to continue to be a back and forth mess uh, until everybody just sits down and they all figure it out and they all you know they they give us those precise details and sign everything and then we we move on from there so it, it is it's it's frustrating to see as a fan it's especially frustrating since that's probably all I'm going to get to be this year is just a fan and I just, I want there to be a time where I have, I have the TV, I I can turn it on and watch it. I canceled, I don't think I've told you that, I canceled whatever subscription package I had. 
I no longer even get Fox Sports Midwest on the TV right now. Because it was just, I knew that all of those sports channels I was not going to be using because there was no sports on any of them. So I went through and I, I went one tier lower with all of that. I cannot wait for the day that I go and I get to put my DirecTV back up to whatever level gives me Fox Sports Midwest. Yeah, we don't really have those options with Charter. They just hit you for 200 bucks a month. It's just kind of the name of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh... It's been uh, it's been frustrating. The NBA seems like they have it figured out. We talk about that with Rob Fisher. That's coming up in a uh, in a bit as well, and uh, just some of the details we go over. Fish and I go back and forth, and it's it's a really good. It's uh, I mean, we we talk for well over a half an hour with uh, about everything going on in the NBA, and just some of the details that came out with that, and some of the other things that will go into it, such as how life will be inside this bubble at these Disney resorts and how or what they're allowed to do and some of the amenities that they will be provided. I, I mentioned this in the fish interview, you know, but I'll say it now. So John Marisek uh, is now doing a lot of Disney travel agent stuff. Uh, tra- uh, Magic for Less, I believe, is is the name of it. I, I want to make sure that, uh, that I say this right because, God forbid, he listens to this and I, I say the wrong thing. It's themagicforless.com. Uh, John Marisek uh, at themagicforless.com at the if you want to plan your Disney trip, whatever. So they come out with these details of what teams will be staying at what resorts. And I text him asking in a way of like, you know, there were two of the resorts on there I've never heard of. Like I've I've always heard of the Grand Floridian. Yeah. Andy, I feel yeah, that's that, I mean that is seen as like one of the top resorts. Yes. I, I'm get you've never stayed there, right? No. I, I'm guessing and I I mean I know I've never stayed there because that's for people with money. <laughs> It's for the riches. Right. It's not for the poors. Right. So they, the NBA, that is one of the um, hotels that they are staying at. That is one of the hotels that they get to stay at. But it's for like the mid-tier teams. It's for like the mid-seated teams. Where the lower-seated teams are staying at the Yacht Club, which I've also never heard of. But no, I've heard of that either. It has the word yacht in it. I'm going to guess it's pretty nice rooms. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it's pretty fancy. The top-seeded teams are staying at a hotel on Disney called the Grand Destino. Okay. Never have heard of that before. Have you? Grand Destino? Grand Destino. How do you spell that? D-E-S-T-I-N-O, like Destin, Florida, with an O at the end of it. Ooh, that, it, it, look, it looks fancy. Right. John did say that it's a moderate resort, not the Grand Flor- unlike the Grand Floridian. So he puts the Grand, Grand Floridian above the uh, Grand Testino Tower uh, Resort. You know, if you stay at the Grand Torino Resort... There's a guy yeah. off that tells you to get off his lawn. Nope, no, 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 no. That's Grand Destino. Grand Destino, not Grand Torino. No, not, yeah, not Grand Torino. No. Get off my lawn. But, yeah, that's, uh, by the way, $750 per night is uh, what the Grand Floridian costs. 
My goodness. No wonder it costs $5,000 go to Disney on vacation. Right, that's not even like a the rooms at Disney where they're nice. They're it's not like you're staying in the rooms that much. No. Last time we went to Disney, we stayed at a Hampton Inn off properties. I had a bunch of points to use, so it was basically free. And oh. guess what? It was just fine and dandy. See, I'm staying on resort. I need that shuttle taking me every Matter day. Matter of fact, I have a quick story about that. We will. Uh, yeah. it, it, usually, you have you have to drive in there, and they charge you an arm and a leg to park. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was super nice to the parking attendant. And uh, she said, just go on in. It's free today. You get free parking. Today's your day. Oh. Like I told her that I was having an amazing day or that I was having a very happy day or something. Nice. Yeah. Let's do that. So don't go, so don't go up there and be mean. Just smile and be happy and say, yeah, go on there and park. It's all good. It's very nice. But what did happen is that we went and had lunch somewhere on site. Yeah. It's like a family style place where they bring you bowls of food. It was absolutely amazing. For four people, Joe, it was two hundred dollars. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. You gotta get you gotta get the meal plan. You have to get the meal plan when you go there. We were just doing one day. We were just there for and then we were doing the Disney cruise the next day. Okay. So still I I bet you could have got that meal plan for one day. Yeah gotta you, you have to you have to look into that i mean because i just know from knowing other when other people plan just the difference between the meal plan and then just going there on your own it's i mean my god it's like a paycheck worth of uh worth of stuff it's it's absolutely in uh insane so but by the way so they get like they get djs there they get movie screenings they have all these like manicure pedicure amenities that they get but the uh, video games, a lounge for video games, if they just don't want to play in their room, they can go and play. Like, they're going to have a setup where they can play all kinds of video games, including NBA 2K. One of now, the, now, uh, yeah. Are they going to be the only people in these resorts? Is the, is the park still closed? The park, I, I don't, so I think the park is still closed. They They do have a reopening date planned for this, but they will be the only one in these hotels. The... They will not be allowed to leave this bubble, but the workers that are going in and out can. Okay. As little sense as that makes. How are they going to get their Tinder girls in there? That's that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that they will have to probably uh, sacrifice. Oh, that's that's not going to go over well. Yeah, their wives are allowed in there, uh, but I believe all side pieces are not. <laughs> so did fish address that uh we did not know no that was uh that was not something i brought up with uh with fish uh that was because then i feel like i would have put him in a bad spot of maybe talking about uh players and stuff and um, i'm just not gonna do that yeah that's just kind of the code code between broadcasters you just you just don't do that but I, there, there already have been jokes made about it uh, plenty on social media for, uh, for that. So, and then once the players actually get there, I, I imagine more jokes will be made along those lines as well. So that's yeah, what, like, uh, yeah. It could be like the Olympic Village where they run out of condoms. Well, Andy, I, I don't think that's the case <laughs> because in the Olympic Village, you see there are, uh, again, they, it's all just a bunch of young athletes, male and female, that are, that are going in there. So I think it's a different, I think it's a completely different scenario with, uh, with that. They went through 20,000 condoms in Sochi. 
Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. 20,000. Uh-huh. There's only like 2,000 athletes. No, there's way more than 2,000 athletes. But they're also there for like 20 days. Yeah. All right. You do, and, you, and you do your sport. I mean, you're, most of those people, they're just doing their thing for five days, and then they have like another week and a half just to do whatever. So they, they do whatever. And whatever is whatever. Exactly. So that's, you know, but again, that, so that's supposed to be starting, I believe, end of July. Same with hockey and their hubs. And we, we still wait for all of the details to come out with, uh, with that whenever it might uh whenever it might be uh, this weekend. Also father's day. I want to make sure I wish a, uh, a happy father's day to, uh, to, to my dad out there. Um, as if he is, uh, if, he, if he's listening, I don't know if he listens. He never tells me if he listens or not, but if he, uh, if he does a, uh, a happy father's day to, uh, to him this weekend is uh, Andy, what do you got planned for, uh, for father's day? We are uh, continuing to celebrate my birthday with my family on Sunday. We're going to have lunch over with my uh, with my mom and dad. We're going to cook up some foods and and hang out. Usually, my dad and my brother and I play golf, but there hasn't been any talk of of that uh, this year, which is fine with me. Uh, so that's cool. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I uh, so this weekend, this Sunday, a few things. A few a brisket on the smoker. I have a seven and a half pound brisket that's going into the smoker at about 7 a.m. on Sunday, Andy. Uh, you have an electric smoker, right? Yes. So it's easy to maintain temperature. Yes. That I, um, amazing. I have, I have texted. I am getting tips. Uh, I got tips from the fan page, but I think more importantly than that, I have gotten tips from Brenton, the, uh, oh. the owner at Bootleg and Barbecue. Oh, really? Yes. So... Tips has he given you? Can are they are they are they airworthy? I mean, it's it's just we're we're going back and forth right now in texting on this. The the big so the two big things that I have I have been told to cut off about I, I guess cut it off until there's about a fourth of an inch of fat. Okay, and then rest. Rest is the most important. After it's done cooking. Yes. Oh yeah. Now, how long did he tell you to rest it for? Two to three hours. Really? Yeah. Those juices really need to redistribute in there, huh? Yeah, like I'm, I'm going to wrap it up in foil, and I'm going to put it in a cooler and just set it in that cooler for about two hours. Huh. And so seven and a half pounds of the pie, is, is, is it an hour per pound on the brisket? Yes. Okay. So that's why I'm, you know, what getting up and feet? starting at about seven. Two thirty, two thirty-five on the temp. Two twenty-five. Two twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. But Brent was very excited when uh, when I texted him for uh, for for tips on uh, on this. So I'm I'm glad that I have a professional helping me out with uh, with getting all of this done. And so we got the neighbors coming across the street. They're uh, they're going to be bringing all the sides and everything for uh, for that. But so so Hudson's birthday is coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. And we can't have, you know, a big birthday party with all of his friends like we usually do. So what we've done, we ordered a uh, a projector. Oh, wow. And we're going to have a few of his a uh, couple of his friends. I think like three, four of his friends come over 
And I have a, uh, from uh, my job at the gym, when we were cleaning up all the way back in March, when we were just doing busy work around there to stay employed, I found a big blow up movie screen about Andy. We're talking like 15 feet of a blow up movie screen. So I bought a projector and we're going to have a nice little movie night in the driveway. You guys are going to watch Shawshank Redemption. I don't know what we're going to watch. I, I So right now, I just went on to uh, Netflix because I we're going to do a practice run of it Saturday night. Okay. His birthday is not till July, but I just want to do a practice run. And uh, Netflix, because I don't know. I, I know the projector plugs into my computer and the Fire Stick does too. But I don't know if the Wi-Fi from the Fire Stick would reach all the way out to the driveway. I'm not I, sure how you, that. What are you going to do about sound? It comes with a speaker. Okay. I uh, So I've downloaded some Indiana Jones movies. Well, Joe, if you'd like to borrow one of my PA speakers for this little event to really give the kids a nice, a nice uh, event, you're more than welcome to. Andy, that would be, that would be lovely, except I, there's, there's two of my neighbors that actually like me. Okay. I'd like to keep it that way. Okay. And I feel like borrowing one of your PA speakers and the damage that I, the work that I, I've seen those speakers being able to do yep. at uh, what park was that uh, where the wiffle ball tournament was? Oh, Francis Park. Oh, no. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give you that system. Oh, okay. Okay. No, just, like, just like one of the small 12s, just to give a nice, a nice full sound. Yeah, I think I'm good on on speakers for you know four or five seven year olds. I think okay. I'm I think I'll be okay, okay with that. But I think we're gonna do a practice run of like an Indiana Jones movie on uh, okay. on Saturday night with uh, with that. But I'm I'm very excited about this brisket, Andy. I uh, I I've been wanting to dive into it. I've been wanting to give it a go and give it a try. And I feel like Father's Day was the uh, was the best day to uh, to try it out. I've I've done one brisket in my life in the smoker and it, it it was good. I've had better, but it's it's a t- it's a tough piece of meat to cook. You're going to you're going to be a lot more successful at it because you're going to be able to maintain temp. Cuz mine mine's a gas. I have a gas smoker. Mm-hmm. So there's like a big burner in the bottom of mine. Okay. And so it's very difficult to maintain temp. You have, yeah. you, have, you have to control it with the vent. I mean, you mm. absolutely, you absolutely have to have the the burner all the way down on low. Yeah, and then you I can, did. And then you control it with the vent. I let Brent know that I do have a uh, electric smoker, so I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping he doesn't belittle me for uh, for that. And no, you're just we, gonna be, uh, it's all good, right? Yeah, so. We'll see how that goes. I'll, uh, I'll I'll make sure to give updates on that uh, next week on the uh, on the show. So, Andy, that's what we have coming up today. Uh, Matt Snyder, Rob Fisher, Kostaki Economopolis. That's our that's our show for today. We will have those three interviews coming up in just a bit. And uh, when after that's all done, we uh, come back with a college football edition of uh, Crack Slippers today so college football edition of crack slippers looking forward to uh to those coming up at the end of the uh end of the show hey this uh this show is sponsored by munganass alton toyota andy they have the uh, it's hybrid month right now the entire month of june at alton toyota munganass alton toyota the 2020 toyota rav4 hybrids are in along with the camry hybrids the avalon hybrids and they have some great deals and fantastic financing available 
through the month of June. If you've been thinking about a hybrid, now is the perfect time to do it. You could visit them online at altontoyota.com or give them a call 618-208-2400. That's 618-208-2400. Make your appointment today with Munganass Alton Toyota. Take a break, come back with more of Weekend Joe driven by Munganass Alton Toyota and Munganass St. Louis Acura right here on ClabesOnline.com. This is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, have you thought about uh, buying or selling your home here in St. Louis? Well, Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, he can help you out in doing so. Been selling and buying homes for well, a few decades now. You can call him at 314-503-4999. That's 314-503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. And welcome back into Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, right here on ClabesOnline.com. We uh, we start our list of guests today. First off, I uh, I do need to give a shout out to our friends at uh, Celsius. The, uh, the energy drink company, you can get yours at Complete Supplement, or I should say One Stop Supplements over in Maryville. Uh, I am drinking the uh, the heat, the jackfruit heat flavor today. Love my uh, love my new Celsius heat that they uh, that they sent me a few weeks ago as we make our way out to the phone lines and we welcome in our friend of the show from CBS. He is Matt Snyder and he joins us now. Matt, uh, I, I, it's it's Friday afternoon when we're doing this interview, and I, I booked you to talk about the potential 2020 season, but news that we just got about 15, 20 minutes ago with the Phillies and five of their players testing positive. Are, are we going to have baseball this year? I'm really worried, actually. Uh, gosh, I, the days bleed together at this point. Was it Wednesday? When all the reports were they were close to a deal, I think it was Wednesday, I was like giddy with excitement. I wrote a column about uh, how excited I was to embrace the sprint and the flukiness of the season that was about to happen where I, I surmised like you could see something like an eight-seeded Padres team taking the one-seeded Dodgers out in a three-game series in the first round, and I'm all excited thinking about all this crap. And then, yeah, this news, I also saw that the PGA Tour had, had multiple people okay. Test they had positive. one, yeah. The Tampa Bay yeah. Lightning had one player as well, or had a, a few players as well. So multiple, uh, multiple sports are all getting it. I guess the Blue Jays have also had a few players test positive. And, and basically all a hot spot at this point. Yep, and the so Tampa the NBA, Bay Buccaneers. And so the NBA that was going to be in Orlando. Um, I am at this point pretty worried as a sports fan, I, that's the only thing I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about anything else at all. So nobody pinned me to anything on any other spectrum, but sports, but as a sports fan, I'm worried that we're going to see everything shut down for all of 2020 at this point. I'm really, really worried about that. And, uh, frankly, on a selfish and personal level, I'm kind of worried about my job at this point too, because if we don't have baseball for this year, I get worried about the CBA after the 2021 season, if there even is one, um, 
I'm really, really worried about sports in general, but a lot worried about baseball right now. Yeah, and, no, there's no, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with being selfish about uh, about that. I, I mean, you and I have talked about it a few times about just the the plans of stuff that we were doing. I mean, Matt, I mean, we're a few weeks away for you and I were supposed to be in L.A., together yep. for, for the all-star game and out there. And I know that's something that we had talked about, I mean, months ago with, with that. So yeah, there's not, I mean, there's not a thing wrong with that. And if you just completely wipe out the 2020 season and players have already talked about walking out during the 2021 season, I mean, why, why even start the 2021 season? If you're, if there's not intentions of finishing it at the moment. I know, and and I'm worried that it, the, there's still going to be issues with the virus going on. Um, I, I'm just worried. You know what I want to do? Let's rewind time until we were back at the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame watching Joan Jett at the All-Star Gala last <laughs> year. Let's just think about that, like how we were like without a care in the world. We're just enjoying ourselves, drinking beer. Like, can we just get back to that? I just, I would give almost anything. I- to be quote unquote normal again right now, man. I was on crutches during that, so I would oh, yeah, not you don't like to be crutches back. again. Yeah. But, <laughs> but <laughs> mentally, mentally, where we were, man, I'd give almost anything to get back to that point. I know I had just met the Miz. I mean, it was it was really <laughs> cool. <laughs> you were watching Joan Jet with I Dave. Was watching Winfield. Joan Jett. I was going. Oh man, I was sending my wife videos to make her jealous. <laughs> it's. I, I mean. And that's it. Like if the NBA and the NHL, if they just say, you know what, screw it. We'll, we'll see everybody in October. You know, we're, we're just going to, and that's, if that happens, okay, it sucks. We don't find out who wins the championship. We only had 85% of their seasons. It's what it is. But for baseball, I mean, we're, we're looking at truly like the end of a, of a sport that, you know, you and I both both played for a long time growing yeah. up and love very much. And thinking about the fact that two, three seasons without it, it was thriving. Too. Coming back, it was thriving. It was absolutely thriving. I know it's not the most popular sport, and it's it was never going to be anymore. NFL has long since uh, lapped the field on the most popular sport, and, and and that's okay. But baseball was absolutely thriving, doing very well, growing worldwide audiences. Uh, they just sold Bam Tech for over a billion dollars. Um, it's just, it's it's getting sad. But I'm still, look, you know, you know, you and your listeners know for the most part. I grew up a Cubs fan, so being coming from that school, I, I'm an eternal optimist. I had to be. I always had to believe that there was a chance they were going to win the World Series. Otherwise, why was I wasting all my time? So I'm an eternal optimist by nature. I still. I'm holding out hope that within the next two days, they say we're playing 63 games or whatever. Here's the plan. And then they just do it. Um, but I'm, I, like I said earlier, I am worried. I am absolutely worried. And I mean, and the hope I guess at this moment is everything is centered in Florida. And I, I understand, I, mean, I think what 24 States have had jumps over the past week and are seeing numbers and, it's you know we, we there there will be cases like that but if we if we could somehow look at just see this is a florida issue outside and, of everything and else and, islands don't get to play at home and nobody ever went there anyway exactly and, and nobody was going to go there 
Yeah. Right. Uh, you might have to get creative. Um, I, I'm sure that Rays and Marlins people would argue, hey, this is unfair that we don't get to play at home and everybody else does. But you know what? Hey, life isn't fair. And this season was always going to be messed up and weird anyway. So I, 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 I'm, I just am holding out hope that they say, all right, this is how many games we're going to play. This is when we're going to play them. And in the next four weeks, we figure out how the hell we're going to do this and where we're going to do it. Because what if, for example, Canada says, hey, you ain't playing here. What if California says the players all have to wear masks and the players don't want to do that? Um, there's a lot of hoops that they might have to jump through. But if we just agree on the games and say this is when we're starting, you have time to work everything else out. Yeah, and that's, and I think it's just getting past that step that that's so important right now, and it's so frustrating beyond. I, I mean, I was frustrated before we even saw the news about the Phillies and I was, I yeah. knew I was going to be frustrated to talk to you anyway, because when you look at the meeting, Rob Manfred flies to Arizona, talks with Tony Clark, and then they come out of that and they still can't figure it out. I mean, what in the I, I hell? Was, I, when, I, when Heyman tweeted, they're close to a deal. I was giddy. I was like beside myself excited. Like, okay, finally. And uh, I, I will say I've been on the player side from the get go, 100% until I will admit yesterday was the first time where I kind of went, oh, come on, guys, come on. I mean, I'm still on their side, but they had a united front earlier this week. Tell us when and where, tell us when and where, tell us when and where. Well, then they told them when and where, and then they said no. And that's that was the first time. And I see what they're saying, and I agree. I, I'm going to be on the side that's fighting for more games rather than fewer games because more games is always going to be better than fewer games. But I, I will admit I did have the thought where I said, oh, come on, guys. You said tell us when and where. They told you when and where. Just say yes. That was the first time I had that thought. And I mean, with that, I mean – you, you know, I think you and I both agree that Rob Manfred has just done a terrible he's job. Terrible. Yes, he's off. Does Tony Clark need to go too? Yeah. Especially if you're yeah. looking at the way that they are dealing with each other right now, we can't trust those two to go and try to settle anything in 2022. I, I wish I remembered the name of the person who it was that tweeted this, uh, but they tweeted the exchange on the office when Michael was trying to ask for a raise and Jan said, I can give you a 12% raise, but you have to ask for 15 and then Michael said, okay, I asked for 15. And Jane said, I can give you 12. And he's like, but wait, what you just said, ask for 15. Like that feels like how they're negotiating. Like yeah. they don't, I, uh, I think that Manfred has to be fired after the 2021 ugliness that's coming and it's going to be ugly. And I think that that will be as good of an excuse as any for everybody to say he needs to be fired. He sucks at this. Um, and yeah, I think Tony Clark, based upon just the simple fact that the players thought from the March 26th agreement that the owner said, we'll pay you prorated salaries no matter what. But there's there was language in there that basically said, if there are no fans, we can come back and renegotiate. And that's one of the main reasons they've been so far apart on all these negotiations. If Tony Clark was better at his job from the get-go, from March 26th, they would have been negotiating this from the start. Instead, they just fell over and agreed and they all thought that they agreed to something that they did not agree to. That's malpractice from Tony Clark's end. And so I, have we ever, I mean, you and I, you're about the same age. I think you're a little, a few years older than I am. 41. So, 
Okay, so neither one of us were in our positions we are back in 94 when no. all of this happened last. Has there ever been a, I mean, how does how does the players union go about getting rid of Tony Clark? How do the owners go about, how does baseball go about getting rid of Rob Manfred? Honestly, I don't know that. Uh, the owners extended Manfred's contract through 2024. I, I think that they could at some point call a vote and oust him. Uh, it probably would have to be unanimous. Uh, but generally speaking, it's 23 or 24 out of 30 to agree on anything. It might be 24 out of 30 to agree to fire him. Um, I, I don't know exactly because I, I can't remember ever having a discussion seriously about a group of owners wanting to fire the commissioner or a group of players wanting to fire the, the head of the MLBPA. So I honestly don't know. I haven't done research on that. Um, it's... Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better, in my opinion. But uh, like I said, hopefully the two sides within the next few days will be like, hey, we got to do this thing for the, the greater good moving forward of this profession. And it's a lot more it's about a lot more people than just the owners and the players. And, and hopefully they realize that it's baffling to me that we see a, a sports organization like the NBA that. Is I mean, by all means, they're getting along right now. It, it seems like they are hand in hand wanting to get this done. And I get that they're in a completely different part of yeah, the season. Yeah, because they've yeah. already got like 85% of their money. But as far as the relationship yeah. that the players have with the owners and the commissioner and Adam Silver, that it, it just baffles me that the other sports can't figure out how to get there with those relationships. Yeah. One of the things that's different about Major League Baseball is it has by far the strongest players union. That's why there's no salary cap. Uh, and I think, honestly, the owners kind of resent that. And that's one of the reasons that there's so much contentiousness is that the owners look at the other leagues and look at how much more power the owners have in the NFL and the NBA and the NHL. And they resent that. And here's a funny aspect I talked about on a different show earlier today uh, is I, I I read all the comments that we get on, on Twitter and on Facebook to our articles, and it's it's still astounding to me how many people are pro owners. But a lot of them like to say, "Why don't they just play for the love of the game?" and say nonsense like, "I would play for free." No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't <laughs> leave your family for four months and play every single day and isolate yourselves from all your friends and family. You would not do that for free. That's ridiculous. First of all, but second of all. Why does nobody ever say, why don't the owners just own their teams for the love of the game? The owners clearly do not collectively love baseball. Jerry Reinsdorf does not love baseball. Just to name one guy, and I know you have White Sox uh, fandom in your past. Do you honestly think Jerry Reinsdorf loves baseball? No, I, no. I think... I he mean, loves I, money. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, that's one of those, if you asked me... You know, if you asked me 10 minutes ago who the owner of the White Sox was, I would have had to think. I would have known it was Jerry Reinsdorf. But it's one of those where you don't think of him as the owner. You, yeah. you think of him and as the owner of the Bulls. You, can you don't think of him people. as the Yeah. Do you think Bill DeWitt loves baseball? Do you think I, Tom I Rick, do. That's the thing is I somewhat? do think Bill I, – I do think Bill DeWitt well, loves baseball. He came baseball. out publicly and said baseball is not profitable. That's I know, which – That's it, a lie. That, and that <laughs> baffles me. And that shows – that shows, I think, the disconnect that, yes, he can love baseball, but also but they love money a lot more than or that. Another, another tone deaf. In the Central Division, there are two teams that print money. It would have meant a lot more if it came from the Pirates owner, although he's terrible, 
or the, the red owner Castellini or the Brewers owner Tanzio, who's one of the best owners in baseball, by the way. But to hear Bill DeWitt say baseball's not profitable or to hear Tom Ricketts say, use the word biblical, the losses will be biblical this year. The tone deafness in the owners, I can't believe more fans haven't come out against the owners and pro players with the tone deaf comments from two teams, again, that print money. Yeah, it, it, when 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 I heard DeWitt say that and went back and listened to that. It's outrageous. I, I could not believe it. And just in it, on top of that, too, just there was no trying to walk it back or anything. Uh, saying, you know, no misspeak or anything like that. Yep. Like, he knew what he was going on that show to say that day, and he said it. And you look at it, and you're just, you know, in, in these times right now, that is not the message you want to put out there. And I, I, I could not believe it. And then there was the list of six to eight owners who would be fine with the season going away. And you see DeWitt on there. And I understand that, yes, the Cardinals make a lot of money by having 3.5 million fans coming through those turnstiles every year. Yeah. Like, I understand completely why they would have wanted the season to just be shut down by all costs. But if God, I had to guess, by the way, I don't think that DeWitt's one of the ones who wanted the season shut down. I don't. Yeah. And the only person I've seen, Craig Calcaterra, he posted his list of who he thought. That's the only person I've seen. If I had to guess, who he... uh, Pirates, um, I, I honestly, Ricketts, I think the Cubs are probably on there. Um, I, I would say the Pirates are 100% on there. There's no way they want to play. Uh, I could see Mets, the Wilpon family. Um, Doesn't that hurt there? Because, I mean, the Wilpons want to sell. I mean, wouldn't playing games increase they, value they're not good business people they they got screwed by madoff they're, they only <laughs> think short term the the guys I, i'm ta- i'm thinking about the owners who only think short term that's why ricketts was one of the first people who came to mind reinsdorf too both chicago teams the third largest market in major league baseball both teams i i think they would be on the list neither one of them wants to play i guarantee you reinsdorf doesn't want to play I would throw, I mean, you know, thinking locally here, someone like Artie Moreno would love a year of not having to pay that. Yeah, pool. I think Correct. Moreno absolutely is on there. They, they try, they're trying to not look Albert Pujols is having to pay their, their scouts in the Caribbean right now because the angels won't pay them. That's how cheap Moreno is. Yeah. God. And it just, I mean, it really is. It you, you and I had, I mean, we have, we've been texting the last few days the entire tone of what we had planned on talking about, I uh, feel like, has just changed so much in the last half hour we, because we thought the intention was we were going to preview the season. That right? and, well, I wanted to just do a victory lap about having the universal <laughs> DH in baseball. That that yeah. was my sole reason for it, and it just it, it, that's still going to come. I mean, whenever the next Major League Baseball game is played the St. Louis Cardinals will have a designated hitter in their lineup. That is one thing that I can, I, I can guarantee will happen. And that yep. makes me happy. Would you, I it's, mean, it's, that's an interesting thing that it's hard to wrap your head around because we are mostly just worried about, are they going to play at this point? But once they do come to agreement, basically the pitcher's hitting is done. It's over. That's it. Like they agreed to the DH for 2020 and 2021. There's no way pitchers hitting is going to come back after the new CBA. So we've seen the last of pitchers in the lineup. There are going to be DHs for the rest of time. And that is, I'm not sure I've wrapped my head around that yet. Because you mean, I mean, go to watch old games. 
Like yeah. I have the Cubs channel, so that I'm watching all old Cubs games. Obviously, every single game I'm watching is against a fellow National League team with pitchers in the lineup. So that's going to be weird. It's going to be an adjustment. I'm okay with it. Um, I'm not going to vehemently argue either side. I, I I do think people kind of embarrass themselves when they act like there's so much more strategy when you can have a double switch, especially people from your locale when they use <laughs> Mike, Mike Matheny, who is the worst double switcher of all time, still argue in favor of it. Uh, but I don't have a problem with the people who think there should not be a DH. I just think their arguments are bad. Do you know how many times he double switched out the cleanup hitter? I oh, mean, he, he was God. the worst I've ever seen at it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and just I, I, I had, that's one thing. Like I never, I don't like to generally pick on Cardinals fans because it's a bad look from a Cubs fan. It looks like I'm not doing my job professionally and I'm being one-sided, but that's what I always want to say back when I see somebody on Twitter reply to me and they're a Cardinals fan about the strategy. I want to be like, really? You, you just watched Mike Matheny. Come on, man. Yeah. It, uh, and I, I, you know, I saw you had it the other day. You posted Madison Bumgarner's stats and, yeah. and people went, went off on it. I, I had one the other day about, you know, I just, I can't believe that so many people are just so adamant. Like I have to, the pitcher has to, Oh, I, I don't want to watch, watch baseball. If the pitcher's not hitting, like, do you really care that much to watch, you know, three swings and a miss or an attempted it's, bunt? They, they've, the, the thing is, I think they've dug in their heels at this point. It's yeah. just, I like the National League game. I don't want it to change. That's okay. Just say that. But don't act like you're – don't earnestly argue that Madison Bumgarner can rake because he can't. He sucks at hitting. Don't earnestly argue, as somebody did, believe it or not, in my mentions the other day – well, if Mike Trout only batted two times a week, he wouldn't be as good either. Don't do that because <laughs> you, you can't tell me if you gave Madison Bumgarner 500 at bats that he would all of a sudden be a good hitter. No, he wouldn't. He sucks at hitting. Just because he occasionally runs into one doesn't mean he's a good hitter. So my issue is the earnest arguments anywhere other than just I like the National League game and I wish it would say the same. And to that I would say, okay, that's fair. But all the other arguments are bad. I had somebody today that told me that they enjoy pitchers like Adam Wainwright that hit well, and it's fun to see him hit home runs. He hits well Ad for a pitcher. He Adam Wainwright, well a pitcher. yeah. Adam Wainwright is a 199 career hitter. I believe two years yeah. ago hit 061 and has not hit a home run since 2017. So somebody the other day said, uh, "Now do catchers," and I was like, "What?" So I just went and looked. And catchers last year had more than double the OPS of pitchers. So no, don't do that. And I'm not, the other one that somebody said is, so you're arguing that everybody who's a bad hitter should be DH'd for like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that pitching is a specialization. It's like a, a punter or even a quarterback. You're not saying a quarterback should have to play free safety. He's a quarterback. Um, it's a specialization. Pitching is way different than a position player hitting and fielding his position. It is way different. They won't even let pitchers catch pop-ups because they're only pitch. Yeah, that and that's the thing. I mean, you're you know, you want to mention somebody like Adam Wainwright who tore his Achilles while hitting a few years ago. I, yep. I mean, was out for almost the entire season because he was in the batter's box and got hurt doing that. Do you think the DeWitts enjoyed paying him for an entire season that he didn't pitch because he got hurt while batting? I mean, it's, it's definitely not, especially since baseball is not profitable. 
it's so. it's not and especially you know the condos that they're building across the street from bush stadium also not profitable that's why not they've been profitable nope yeah yeah it, trust me hey uh, like i said to somebody earlier this week if you look at the price that they're charging for rent in those condos somebody's profiting off of them i don't know if it's the dewitts or somebody <laughs> it's somebody is definitely profiting off of them so i here we sit i mean god i i so if all these cases start popping up, I mean, what 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 happens in these negotiations next? Do they just say, you know what, we're walking away from it? From a, I guess, from a labor, from a union standpoint, could they start negotiating for twenty twenty two? How does how does this work? I I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I, I I wonder if they they write in something that like daily testing and if you test positive. Uh, you have to stay away for two weeks. So again, the, the teams are taking risks here. Players are taking risks, obviously health wise. But in terms of just the baseball aspect, man, if if, uh, if the Angels are right in the race and Mike Trout tests positive, uh oh, because now you lose Mike Trout for two weeks. Um, best case scenario for me is something like that. Um, but worst case scenario is they kill the sport for this season. And then they kill it for next season. Um, and that could lead to the death of Major League Baseball as we know it. I, baseball as a game will survive somehow. If Major League Baseball gets banged, there are too many good players who want to play. There are plenty of billionaires who will want to be in the business. There are stadiums out there that could be bought. I, I, I just wonder about Major League Baseball. Um, but again, I'm an eternal optimist. I'm a glass half full guy. I'm holding out hope that they come to some sort of deal here within the next 48 hours. And they write in language about, hey, if, you're, if you don't want to play, that's okay. Um, if you're high risk, you can still get paid to not play. Um, if you do test positive, you have to isolate yourself for two weeks. Uh, stuff like that. I'm, I'm holding out hope that they get something done there. <sighs> well, hopefully the uh, hopefully we have an answer soon, and we can yeah. ask you to come back on here, and and we can actually preview a a possible season because that uh, I think a short season. I mean, when you look at like the records, you look at where the Nationals were after fifty games last year, yep. and you, that just kind of brings into the big picture what a short season could do, make or break for a team. Think about uh, also the two thousand eighteen Dodgers. What were they, 21 and 26 or something like that? They were terrible through late May, and they ended up in the World Series. Mm-hmm. So there could be all kinds of funky outcomes. I, I think the NL Central, the, there's four definite contenders. I think the Pirates are going to suck, but like the Cardinals look good. The Cubs look good. The, the Reds look like they could be an upstart team. The Brewers are probably still going to be there, although I think they might be due for a downturn. Um, and, and then only play in the AL Central. Woo! Those games against the Royals and Tigers. Those might be a little fun for the NL Central teams. Um, I, I I really hope we get to see it. I think it would yeah. be really fun in the NL Central. I, I was very much looking forward to seeing the White Sox and the Reds this year and seeing how yeah, those... Yeah, the White Sox what, seem like an upstart team, like the yeah. Reds. Yeah. The, just all of the, I mean, all the players that those two teams brought in, it could have been a lot of fun. So hopefully we have a, a reason White to Sox talk about them. The that uh, earlier today I was asked about... <laughs> Uh, who could be one of those, they make a fluky run teams. 
I, I think about like the Angels behind Shohei Otani in the rotation and with Trout and Rendon. I thought about like the Padres with Chris Paddock and what if they bring up Mackenzie Gore, the top pitching prospect, with Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado in the lineup. And I thought about the White Sox. Like over 162, I thought the White Sox would be like maybe their year before the year. But 60 games, 50 games, what if they get hot? They, they could, I mean, you might be talking about a White Sox World Series title if they get hot at the right time. One of the, I mean, we, I, I talked about this. I had an NBA guest on the show also this week, and we were, and you'll, from an Indiana basketball standpoint, you'll understand this, uh, that when you look at the top players in the NBA, when you look at like the 10th or 12th guy on the bench, they were, from the time they were in high school, they were known as this five-star stud athlete packing gyms their junior and senior year of high school, going to a big college where the colleges were packed, the stands were packed every day, and now they're going to be playing in front of nobody. We're on the other side, baseball. Think how many people were at your high school baseball games. Think how many people are at a college baseball game when you see it on TV. (laughs) Right. I mean, mean, nobody goes to baseball games unless it's MLB. So when you get some of those guys that are, you know, like a Dylan Carlson for the Cardinals, who's used to playing double A, triple A crowds now playing in front of nobody. That pressure that comes on when you have to go in front of the bright lights of an MLB stadium, it seems like that would vanish. And yeah, those guys I, would be I able not to consider that at all. But yeah, that's a point. It's, yeah. An interesting aspect for the season, thinking of like the crowd versus no crowd. An interesting storyline is the Astros we're going to be booed out of every ballpark all year. And we don't know how they were going to deal with it. We don't. I, I could guess that they probably would have been okay, but we just don't know. Now there's going to be nobody there. Um, and the come players are still, their opposing players are still going to hate them, though. Yeah. I just don't. I mean, is there going to be the bloodlust for, for bean balls and fights like without fans there be, like there was before? We can't be sure. Uh, has all this time off and talking about everything else, has it numbed people to that? Uh, it was a big deal. Like there were reports that the second series of the year, the Dodgers were, or the Astros were going to be playing at angels. And there were reports that like blocks of Dodgers fans had bought up tickets to Anaheim to go boo the hell out of the Astros. But now there's nothing like that. Nothing. That's Rob Manfred has done such a bad job with getting the 2020 season started that people have forgotten about how bad of a job he did punishing the Astros and Red Sox. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people even forgotten about the Red Sox scandal because I remember it was like mid March. We were having a a zoom call for work. And one thing, one of our editors said is by the way, is he ever going to rule on the Red Sox thing ever? It took him like three or four months. I don't even know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I know Dusty Baker's the head coach or the manager of one of the teams. Yeah. The Astros, right? Like, this yes. is how much I've forgotten. I could, Red Sox I, manager is now former Brewers manager. Ron Renick. Is it Renicky? Yeah. Okay. I You could give me 50 guesses. I would not get the Mets. <laughs> I know the Mets fired Carlos Beltran. I'm not sure who took over for him. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> I should know this. This is my job. <laughs> right? Who did that? I, I, I think it was an older guy, right? It was an older, like, 
I, I cannot even remember like Luis Rojas. Okay. <laughs> Good hire, actually. If you're after you backpedal and um, remember <laughs> the, the dude that works for ESPN that used to play Eduardo um, Perez. Perez. He was he was like a finalist. Yeah. Yeah. See, not all these all these things to just think about and, and wonder the what ifs of for uh I mean this for- is how depressing the off season has been. I could tell you more about like some of the T V shows that I've that I've uh binged than like I, I can't off the top of my head right now, I can't remember the Padres new manager's name. I have it's, I've, name. it's like an eighty grade name. Yeah, I've I have moved away from binge watching T V and it's just become all Xbox for me now. It is, it, whether it's, it's, I just go, you know, I'll two days at a time. I'll play two days of Madden. Then I'll switch to two days of FIFA, NBA 2K. I, I did it. So I bought the uh, RBI baseball game because Xbox doesn't have the show. They have RBI baseball. RBI, and man. Matt, it's terrible. It is an awful, <laughs> awful game. Like I, I just wasted 20, 30 bucks, however much it cost me. And I am furious about it. Like I the only get my old school Nintendo out and play baseball stars and just create teams. I have, I have looked for a super Nintendo just so I could play my kid in uh, Mario Kart, but it is, yeah, it is bad. This RBI baseball game. Uh, Christian Yelich is on the cover of it. If you that's, I mean, I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah, I'm guessing you probably haven't even heard of it. I didn't even hear about it as I was no, looking I around at games. They make it, and it's bad. You can play a nice home run derby, but the gameplay is just god awful. I'm so, gonna bring. I'm just gonna bring this up since I know we're in the St. Louis area, and this will probably yeah. go over well here. That one of the many things that we would agree on is there a more boring superstar than Christian Yelich? I don't. It's. I mean, he it's nice bored. when he posts pictures of his mom. That's about it. So. Oh, that's. I mean, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just I man, I mean you listen to him talk and for a power speed combo, like a legitimate 40-40 threat, he should just feel more exciting. He just he just bores me. I know. Well it's I, I the only thing that upsets me about it is that the Cardinals that John Moselek has come out and said that he wanted Yelich over Ozuna and the, the Marlins told him no, and then they traded Yelich like the next week. So That's not from, a great look, because if he really did, you should have done a lot more to get him. No, they, they said he's not available. They, oh, they okay. said, yeah, oh. they said he is not available. We are not trading him at all. Because the Brewers said, package that they gave him wasn't even great. Right, and then they said, fine, we'll take Ozuna. And then the next week they were like, yeah, hey, you know what? Maybe we should trade Yelich. And yeah, Mo, Mo has been on record about how uh, how upset he is about <laughs> the, the, uh, the way he's had- gone down. The Marlins had the best outfield in baseball. Yes. And one of the best catchers in baseball. Yep. They weren't that far off from contending. Although some of it is probably Jose Fernandez's death. Because I would if agree. He stayed, if he was still alive, you have an ace. You have one of the best catchers in baseball. You have the best outfield in baseball. They, they could have filled around them. Yeah, and I mean, it's similar, you know, you look in St. Louis with Oscar Tavares, who I know was not that, at the superstar level of Jose Fernandez, but when you look well, I mean, at that team the, got to the... That team got to the NLCS against the Giants. Yeah, when you look and, at the trickle-down effect of everything that happened and the trades that, that were 14? made. 
Yes, yeah. because 15 would have been they when they games. lost to the Cubs. Yeah, they won 100 games without Oscar Tavares. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah when they had Jason Hayward in the uh, in the Cubs. So yeah, it's huh. well, Matt. We'll we'll let you go. We'll uh, we'll let you have uh, go out enjoy your Father's Day weekend, and we will uh, we'll we'll get you back on soon whenever we we figure out if baseball games are going to be yeah. played. Hopefully, to preview. Matt, see you, man. Later. That's Matt Snyder from CBS Sports, the uh, baseball writer over there and a uh, longtime friend. Uh, I, I told you, what, man, when we planned on talking baseball today, we, we planned on talking about Universal DH and who that would benefit in a short season. And then uh, truly about 15 minutes before we uh, before I called him, the story on the Phillies came out and then you see the Blue Jays stuff. And it just it, it became a it became an entirely different topic than what we had uh, planned on doing. Hey, this is Weekend Joe driven by Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura and also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm in St. Louis for all of your estate planning, your wills, your trust, your power of attorney, your probate needs. The Inskip Law Firm is here to help and they are committed to to your satisfaction, contact them today uh, by phone, by email, uh, by social media. Anyway, you need to get in touch with Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm. He will get back with you. That's I-N-S-K-I-P, the Inskip Law Firm. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. I think I'm going to have a uh, a short interview up next week with, with Corey Inskip, just kind of explaining everything that he offers, and that'll be up on Claves Online for uh, probably sometime early next uh, next week. Get that uh, get that done. Hey, we take a break when we come back. Rob Fisher, the sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies, he'll be with us right here on Weekend Joe on ClavesOnline.com. Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on ClavesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation that is Munganess St. Louis Acura the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe now on clavesonline.com And welcome back into Weekend Joe driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura here on clavesonline.com as we head out to the phone lines for our first guest today he is, uh, well, he's a contributor here on Claves Online. He is the sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies. He is Rob Fisher, and he's back with us. Fish, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just uh, getting ready for some basketball to get started again. Yeah, so I- I'm I'm going to send, I'm going to guess that you probably have no clue if you have a role in anything at, at this moment. What What have you been told about your job specifically? Uh, nothing at this point, officially. Um, you know, I, I, we're, we're, me personally, I'm expecting that we will not be in Orlando. And, and just because the precedent's been set with all the other sports, um, you know, doing their broadcasts remotely, 
Kevin Harlan said that TNT was going to be doing their games from Atlanta in a studio. So I expect that we will be in Memphis games off a monitor. Um, but but nothing definitive has been set at this point. But when you look at the numbers for numbers of rooms and things of that nature as well, uh, it just I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the broadcast to be done there. And it would be kind of weird to have the broadcast there also because you'd be broadcasting on the floor with an empty gym and all the players right in front of you. So that would be kind of awkward as well. So I, uh, I, I don't expect that we'll be in Orlando. Yeah. And so uh, you, you look at how everything will go. I mean, you, you have been with the Memphis Grizzlies for a while. You have traveled with the team, you know, how the team kind of operates on the road. When you bring all of these teams to one not even a city, just a, a bubble, a facility like this. What are you, a, what kind of thoughts do you have about what we will see during the, I guess, two months of NBA playoffs? I don't know. <laughs> because, and, and I don't know because they don't know. I don't, I don't think anybody really knows how it's going to be. I mean, this is such a new experience and, you know, it's, it's like a summer camp, but a, could be a really, really long summer camp. I and mean, it's been a long time since any of these guys had summer camp. So I um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. I, You know, I, I think they tried to make it as, you know, more comfortable for the players as they possibly could with still, you know, having them confined in a campus environment. So it's it, it'll be very interesting to see how it works out. It, it'll work just a matter of how, you know. You don't want it to, I mean, you certainly don't want it to fester with guys getting in ping pong matches against guys from other teams and guys getting in fights. (laughs) You don't want that to happen. But I I think that, uh, you know, you're going to have to deal with what you're getting and what what you have and and go from there. And it'll work. I I just don't know how it's going to work. You know, it's funny you mentioned the ping pong. I was going to bring that up uh, because it seemed to be such a big part of the 100-plus page notes that they sent out on all of the rules that are going to take place in Orlando. I, I know from covering the Cardinals here in St. Louis that they have the ping pong table in the clubhouse and they brought it up from Jupiter and it, it's been a whole thing for a few years. Is, is ping pong a big deal in the NBA? I think so. I, I think, I think competitive professional athletes, anything they can get their hands on to, to be competitive, they enjoy doing whether it's playing cards. I mean, cards were a big deal, too, that a deck of cards will be thrown out after every game, uh, which is crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, ping pong's a big deal. So, yeah, anything they can, they can be competitive and maybe have a little fun with, action with, they'll, they'll certainly partake. <laughs> and the, but no doubles. No doubles are allowed. They have to stay six feet apart. So uh, if, you, if, if you had to guess, I mean, what is that Memphis Grizzlies? What's the best doubles ping pong team that we're not going to get to see? Ooh, man, I don't know. I, I don't know about the Grizzlies. Grizzlies players are so young that they're so into video games. So I'm sure they're going to be sitting in their rooms. They'll be fine being quarantined. They'll be in their rooms playing video games. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know who the doubles ping pong people would be. I don't know who loves ping pong and who doesn't. I don't think the Grizzlies locker room has. I know they have them around the league for sure. 
So what Eddie, what jumped out at you? Have you have you had a chance to look over the notes? I'm guessing you I mean, I don't know who outside of maybe Woj or, or Shams actually sat down and read every single page. But from the notes and everything that you've seen, what kind of restrictions or rules jumped out at you from what we've seen out of the bubble in Orlando? Well, I think a couple of things. One, like I said earlier, I think that, you know, they they tried from what we understood at the beginning, I mean, it sounded like it was going to be stuck in your room, go to like a mess hall for food and then go back to your room. Uh, but it made it sound like th these documents made it sound like they're going to try their hardest to try and entertain the guys or give them some forms of entertainment uh, that they can do while they're in the so-called bubble. Um, the other things that stood out to me, I mean, guys wearing ankle bracelets, um, I don't think the players have to do it, but all staff and everybody have to wear these ankle bracelets. And if they get within six feet of people, it goes off and wearing these rings that like keep their heart rate and their temperature and all. I mean, we're using technology that, you know, didn't, <laughs> didn't know this stuff was around. And, uh, now these guys are going to be, uh, using it. And so it's, it's, it's going to be a different experience. It's going to be a weird experience. And, um, you know, that's the one thing, if, if we were to broadcasters, it was the one thing that I kind of looked forward to was just the experience of it all, because it's going to be something that you'll never go through, you hope, you never have to go through again in your life. And it's, it'll be so unique and so different than the way that we watch and cover professional sports and, and the way that guys play professional sports. It's going to be so unique and different that I think it makes it pretty compelling. I mean, we still have a few weeks, I guess, before we get there, and we have seen some pushback from some of the players. If you had to guess, I mean, is there any chance that this doesn't happen? Zero percent chance that, that it doesn't happen. Yeah. I, I think guys wanted to voice their opinions. I think guys will come to their senses and believe at least you – know, as far as social injustice, I think their their voice, they'll have a bigger voice and they'll have opportunities to really make a difference and stay with that and, and make it not just a relief from that and make basketball an escape, which they fear it, it would be doing. I think they can use basketball as a platform and use it very well. And the NBA has always allowed their players to speak openly and freely. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity for that. Uh, as far as, you know, other things that they were concerned about. I understand being gone for two months and that's a long time, a real long time. I mean, seven, eight day road, road trips are long, but to go for two months is going to be extremely difficult. I think they're trying the best. The NBA is trying their best to accommodate them and make them a little more comfortable. And the reason I say 0%, it's because the NBA and the players, they're all hand in hand. They're always communicating, always figure things out. They're very proactive. They're not reactive. And, I mean, what we see going on in Major League Baseball, it's the complete opposite of that in the NBA. They are unified, and they work things out. And I think that's why they wanted to wait until July 30th, July 31st, just to make sure they could answer all the questions and they could figure things out. We still don't have a schedule. So it's not like it's figured out just yet but they're working on all the details and they gave themselves time to figure it all out.
Yeah, you look at the commissioners of the four major sports. Gary Bettman gets booed every year when he hands out the Stanley Cup trophy. He's lost an entire season under under his reign. We, we've seen Roger Goodell and the hate towards him. And, I mean, here in St. Louis, I mean, it's obvious for, for some of those reasons. And now you're seeing Rob Manfred getting all of this hate for the way that he's handling baseball season. What does Adam Silver do differently? Because when you when you list those four commissioners, Adam Silver always seems to be number one on that list as far as most likable and the guy that actually understands what he's doing. Well, I think a big part of it is what I, I mean, the, the, the players and the owners, they walk hand in hand. And, um, you know, you, you don't have that tension. You don't, you don't have them not looking out for each other. You know, I mean, I think that, that since Adam Silver has been the commissioner and took over for David Stern, I haven't feared work stoppages. I haven't feared uh, things getting disrupted. I haven't feared the return of play this year. They're very proactive and probably the most proactive sport going, whether it's overseas play or, uh, you know, international play or social media. I mean, whatever the case. And the owners and the commissioner have the players' backs, and they allow them some leeway. They allow them a voice. They allow them to be heard. And, you know, those things are different than other sports and other commissioners. And I, I think Adam always will listen. And I think Michelle Roberts, who's the head of the Players Association, is always willing to listen as well. They get a ton of things. Uh, they were the first league to shut down. They're coming back now and, and going to be the first of the four major sports to to return and you know I, I think they they got it figured out and they they have a great leadership on both sides of the players and the owners and and it's been a an amazing working relationship that you don't fear things you know people got fearful of these Kyrie Irving meetings but that fear was really media generated and didn't last very long that you know they feel like good they were heard they got to air their grievances and now we talk about it, we discuss it, and we move on. And that's something the NBA does so well uh, with that relationship with their players. Hey, you mentioned Kyrie Irving. I, I mentioned this to Klaibs during our lunch show on Monday, that anytime you have, a, you have a flat earther that's trying to be the leader of something, it just seems like that, that opinion or any kind of leadership skills just go out the window. Yeah, I, flat earth guy. He's also had a lot of interesting things to say in the past that are – He's not a guy that you really can trust. I guess flaky would be a, a good word to describe him. He's very bizarre. I don't think he's a guy that when he speaks to the league, the league's necessarily listen. I think they gave him his opportunity to talk, but I don't, I don't think it was let's jump on Kyrie's bandwagon and, and fight the establishment. That, that just wasn't going to happen. And Kyrie, it's interesting, this coming from a guy who's not going to be in Orlando. He's not even going because he's hurt and he's out for the season that he won't even be on the trip. So he, he, he's, I think he's sour. He doesn't get to go to Disney for a couple of months. I want to, so you, you mentioned, you know, as far as it may be a little selfish that as a broadcaster, you would have really loved to be there and experience everything. We see the Super Bowl. They change locations every year, but it's only a one week event. Is there any possibility that, what we see for the two months in Orlando takes off and becomes such a hit that it's something that maybe the NBA tries 
to a lesser extent down the road in, in moving the finals or moving the conference finals or something to a city and making it an event like this? I don't know. I mean, because, because we're not going to really see much of the event that's going on, it might be something players end up enjoying that that'd be that'd be great if it's something like that you know I I can't imagine the NBA going through their season and having their finals played at a neutral site I I I don't think that would work for the league I think it works the way that they do it now now they have discussed and it's been talked about having a mid-season tournament I was that's that was going to be where I was going next yeah similar to what soccer does and yeah I can see the NBA doing that and maybe this is some sort of test run uh, that they could do something like that, you know, whether it's in Orlando or whether it would be in Las Vegas, uh, somewhere like that, that, um, you know, this this could be kind of test run for that. The problem is you can't really plan out a test run when this first run has so many questions yeah. going throughout it that it's going to be very difficult. But maybe after the fact, you can look back on what worked and, and what didn't work and what you would need to do differently because nothing's going to be like it is in this season and playoff. Uh, but, you know, maybe you could take some good out of it for planning in the future. I mean, another thing that we could see too is, is a possible shift in the calendar with, with the NBA where we could see their entire season moving to different days, start days, end days. And, filling that gap that we have of no of just baseball in July or just baseball in NBA training camp in, in August. And I guess the same thing for hockey too. I mean, we could see it for both sports where the schedule that we live by when it comes to watching sports could be totally changed because of what's happening this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, there was some talk around the NBA before the pandemic about maybe exploring that, moving the season back to Christmas Day being the official start because the NBA already owns Christmas Day. And then football's into their playoffs. Um, You got college football's just has the championship left after that. So then you kind of take over and it's the beginning of your season, as you mentioned, going up against baseball in the summer. I, I like the idea. Now, obviously, next year's going to have to start in December at some point because this season's not going to end till mid-October. So they're going to start in December. I, I, I like the idea. I think it could work for the NBA, although I guess there were reports that are saying they're going to try and condense next season, more back-to-back games, more four-game and five-nights situations, and those both suck uh, to add those to the schedule. But to try and get back on track, I hope they don't make that decision too soon. I'd like to see how this works and uh, and see. I mean, I think the ratings will be great this the rest of this season. The more they discuss it, maybe starting in December could be best for the league. It's certainly something they'll negotiate with the players and uh, and talk about because originally uh, it had come out that December first was going to be that start date, and the players said. No, wait a second. That's only a month and a half after this season starts. So they haven't officially decided when they're going to start next season. Probably will be mid to late December. And um, I, I like the idea. I hope they embrace it. And I hope they, uh, you know, test it out to see if it's so they want to use going forward. Uh, one of the other pieces that I saw in the, in the plan, the proposed plan for Orlando, 
is that players will be allowed to go to the games and just be spectators at the games. They'll be the only fans allowed in the crowd. So we just, I, since we've last talked, we, we saw the, uh, the Last Dance documentary and we saw the rivalries that there were in the NBA back in the 90s that I don't feel like we get today in today's NBA. So, I mean, do you think that we would get some good chirping, some good trash talk from the players in the stands that are watching other games? Or is that something that in today's NBA with everybody being such good friends that, that we're not going to see? I hope it's the former. I really do. I think this could be fun. And you're right about rivalries. Rivalries in the NBA are really only as uh, when you meet a team in the playoffs. And, you know, especially if you meet a team in the playoffs a couple of years in a row, it becomes a huge rivalry for those teams. And that's all it takes. And this whole trip's going to be kind of playoff atmosphere. You know, the playoffs are going to start really when these seeding games begin. So that's one thing to look at of, of the intensity and, and that the guys are going to play with. Number two, I think you're going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one isolated basketball. You don't have a to get yourself pumped up. You basically are going to have to fire yourself up. That might be trash talking. That might be going one-on-one -on -one with a guy and challenging a guy and standing over a guy. I think those things are going to develop in this, which could be great to watch and could be a lot of fun. It'll get chippy, maybe get a little physical. And I think those could be great storylines to watch in the NBA. And then you add NBA players from opposing teams to the crowd where every night in the NBA, something amazing happens you've never seen before. And when that moment happens, to see it look like Rucker Park and the crowd of NBA players are going crazy cheering on a guy or hating on a guy, I think it would be great. I hope they go to the games. I hope that's the case, and I hope it's entertaining. I'm interested to see with all the microphones on what actually is going to be picked up in these broadcasts. You really – I mean, you could get some of these – if we're talking broadcasts, and let's just say, you know, the TNT guys are in Atlanta doing that. If Say, you know, say LeBron's in the crowd watching the game with technology the way it is today – he very easily could just hold his phone up to his face and you can put him on the screen side by side while you're watching that game on TNT and, and get his thoughts of, of what he's watching. So uh, the technology is there to make this a really cool experience. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I was talking with someone yesterday and we were kind of talking about the plans of what we would do. I mean, being a sideline reporter, I'm in the huddle during every timeout. Well, if I'm not in the huddle, I mean, what, what, what am I going to do during the game? So we're talking about doing Zoom things with a reporter that would be there or, uh, you know, just getting guys on a phone for a minute. And, you know, I mean, so we got to sit around and brainstorm how we're going to do it. Think of how other teams are going to do it. You know, how are you going to make it interesting? How are you going to make the stories interesting? And while everything is different around us, well, let's make our broadcast different. Let's do different things too that we never thought we would ever do I mean zoom things with with guys that, that are there I, I think that that's a possibility I think everything's pretty cool if you can brainstorm it and come up with the idea write it down let me know because we're looking for ideas whatever we can do and let's be honest too you know when it comes to the business end of the television broadcast for all the money that's going to be lost this season, you're going to try and get it all back here in these games that are going to be broadcast. 
Now you're not going to be able to get it all back, but you're going to try and sell everything you possibly can. So I think a lot of teams and, and ours included will be coming up with a lot of different ideas of things that, that it even can be sold on a business. Yeah, I, I really I get the feeling that it's going to be similar to the Olympics, where you can get those games back to back to back to where you can have on a TNT or an NBA TV, and every two and a half hours there's a new game tipping off at, at one of those arenas, to where the NBA really I mean, I, I know the guys you know they they have their patterns that get them going for a game at 7 p.m. but you really could have games going from 10 a.m. all the way to, to midnight on some of these nights. It's going to take them back to their high school days, you know, their high school summers. And, but, but they had fans at those games. So, I mean, that's why the experience is so different. And, you know, who does it give an advantage to? Well, you can hear it from both ways. You can hear, well, gives an advantage to just the more skilled teams because, well, they're just more skilled and they're going to win. But then you can look at the other point and say, you give it to the team that just doesn't know any better. A young team who just recently had been playing in gyms like this and playing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and they have nothing to lose. Maybe they're a team that has an advantage. So it, it's it going to be it's gonna be great to see how it all plays out. And, and I think it, it will be great. That first day, that first day is going to feel like the NCAA tournament, I think, where there yeah. will be all day, they'll be staggered, and you'll just be able to watch NBA all day. And, and it's going to be, you know, sports is back, pro sports is back, and the NBA is back. And, and I think they'll come out with an extravaganza. It, it's going to be – it'll take a lot of getting used to, but it's going to take a lot of getting used to everything. And it's taken a lot of getting used to, to everything here in the last three months. You, know, it's, you, you mentioned that, and it was about them playing in front of fans. We've talked about this before, where – you, you look back at some of these baseball players that are going to have to get used to playing in front of fans. They came up through the minors, playing in small towns where not many people came to the games. I mean, some of these guys, how many people go to high school baseball games or, high, or college baseball games on campus? For some schools, not many. Uh, you might be lucky if you get 50 people in a crowd. But when it comes to basketball players, I mean, at, at high school, if you know that a guy is a D1 talent, they're putting two, 3,000 people in that gym every night from the time they're a junior or senior in high school, and then they're going to play at a big college, and then it, straight into the NBA. For these guys to play in front of 20, 50 people is going to be really eye-opening. Think of the last time, and I'd love to know the answer, the last time LeBron played in a crowd that small. Exactly. Fifth, I mean, fifth grade, maybe? Right. I mean, you, you could go back. I mean, who would be – who would you consider the 12th guy on the bench for the Grizzlies? Um, you don't want to – well, bad example because he's from <laughs> – Oh, uh, man, I can't even think of the roster right now. How about uh, – we'll go uh, uh, John Conchar. John Conchar. Okay. And, I mean, where did he go to college? Where did he go to high school? And you look back, and I'm sure those gyms were always packed. Absolutely. Absolutely they were. And, I mean – all, and all of these guys have gone – all the guys who have made it to the NBA, yes, their gyms have been packed for so long, which, again, it, it's going to how, – how are guys going to a, have a playoff mentality with no surroundings? It, I mean, the mentally tough teams are the ones that are going to prevail. And, you know, what, does that mean the Lakers uh, are, prevail because they're the best talent? No, but – 
they got a guy on their team that I think will be able to have that focus and block everything out. It's can other teams do it? Can other players, can other superstars do it? Can Russell Westbrook, a guy who feeds off the crowd, or Chris Paul, who feeds off a crowd, can they, you know, what, what do they do when there's no crowd to feed off of? Do they just put it upon themselves? So it's, I, I think there are so many interesting things to watch for that, that it really can be compelling when it returns. And, and hopefully, you know, the casual fan or maybe even a non-basketball fan, they tune in and, and it's compelling for them because so many great storylines going into it. And maybe a benefit, whoever, whoever it was that you've said was the 12th guy on the Grizzlies, maybe somebody like him benefits from that because all the bright lights aren't there. And then it comes up to taking a coach to maybe look at that and say, yeah, you know what? Hey, let's, let's see how that goes. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, role players are usually better on the home floor than they are on the road. Well, what are they in a gym where there's no people? We don't know. But you always hear about those guys, you know, those 12 guys who, oh, they're the first to the gym, they're the last to leave, they never miss a shot at the practice gym, and they never miss a shot while they're warming up. Well, this is kind of what that's going to be like. So maybe all of a sudden they flourish. Yeah, I, I, you don't know. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see coaches and, and how their chess match of, well, this guy, he, he hasn't figured it out. We need to get him out. We got to try somebody else or, you know, or, and things like that. So It'll be, it'll be fun to watch and, and to see these NBA superstars who are playing in front of nobody. <laughs> it's, nuts. it's nuts. It's nuts. And I know you have, uh, you have kids. Are you, uh, are you or your family, you guys big Disney people? Huge Disney people, yeah. The kids have not – I have two kids. They have not been yet. We're waiting for the little one to get a little older before we go. I was going to say, but, when, you, when the hotel – uh, when the hotels came out and they, they announced where the teams were going to be staying, was there a team or was there a hotel that you looked at and you got a little jealous that they were going to be uh, getting to stay there? <laughs> no, I just thought, oh, the Grand Floridian, that's nice. But here, here's how snobby I've become, though. Traveling with NBA teams, Grand Floridian's nice, but no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I I was talking to a uh, well I was talking to John Marisek a uh, a guy I used to work with here in St. Louis who now does a lot of he's a Disney travel agent now and I'm texting him about the uh, the hotels and he's giving me he's giving me feedback as if these guys are going there for a week of Disney and I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there and the feedback he's giving me is such travel agent speak to where I think these guys are getting a nice room, but these are going to be turned into completely different venues than what you or I would do on a family vacation. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And they have to, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the great perks of traveling with an NBA team is the five-star hotel rule. I mean, it's, it's spectacular and you get your own room, the whole deal. So Grand Floridian, I, I've seen it. I've been around it. I've never stayed there. It is nice, but it's probably not as nice as the hotels that normally these guys are staying in on a nightly basis during the season. I've never been to the Yacht Club, but for those teams at the bottom of the standings to be at the Yacht Club, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how good the Yacht Club is. Whatever one is like, whatever one the top seeds get, I, it's such a nice hotel that I've never heard of it. Right, uh, on right. the Disney properties. It's like, oh, when you start planning and you look at that, you're like, yeah, never in my life. So, yeah, you start looking at the other ones. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's, and that's where the Lakers get to stay. So good for them. <laughs> <laughs>
I, uh, I, like you and I both said, I can't wait for the uh, NBA to restart and to see what what we get out of it. It does look, I, I think the la- we talked about two months ago, and we are so much closer to sports than we were then. And we are we are getting there, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite a culture shock when we actually see it happening, and we see that first game with no fans in the crowd. It's going to be different, but it'll be fun to actually see basketball. And you know, thinking back of four months ago when there was discussion of not be playing in front of fans, and LeBron James said, "There's no way I would ever do that. There's no way I'd ever play in front of no fans because we play for the fans." just wouldn't make sense and I thought in my mind is a hundred percent right that is crazy you can't play sports without fans you can't do and now here we are today where it's like okay yeah let's let's do it let's go hundred percent on board let's no fans because we're that starved just to see the competition back again and before I you know I see the Memphis hat and that before we let you go just completely off of the NBA with the way Major League Baseball seems to be going forward, we, we all know the Memphis Redbirds are, are the AAA team. What, what would it do to a community like Memphis if we're with the minor leagues not being around for a year and the future of the minor leagues kind of up in the air? Well, I, I mean, I, you feel for the Redbirds. You feel for the people who work for the Redbirds. You feel for the people who work at AutoZone Park, for sure. You know. As far as Memphis is concerned, you know, everybody's inside now. I mean, they're not playing and we've gotten used to nothing happening, you know, not being out and uh, still being in phase two here in Memphis. You know, it's, it's not like people will be going to the ballpark. So I, I don't think it'll cripple it just because I feel like most people's opinion is 2020 is just a wash. <laughs> let's, let's throw it out and start looking ahead to next year. But you do feel for the Redbirds people. And, you know, yeah, with the future of minor league baseball, um, you know, hopefully hopefully the Cardinals are committed and uh, the folks here in Memphis are committed and it'll continue to be a relationship going forward because it's a beautiful facility. It's right in the heart of downtown. And, uh, and fans love to go and the attendance is good and it's a great experience for families to go to the ballpark. So I, I, I hope – Nothing comes out of it, and I hope it is just a matter of, all right, let's look ahead to 2021 and, and start off with a bang and, and uh, just kind of, you know, 2020, just put it in the rearview mirror, hopefully. He's the sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies as uh, basketball looks to be coming back in a few weeks. He's Rob Fisher. Fish, thanks so much, man. You got it, Joe. Thanks. That's ClavesOnline.com's own Rob Fisher, also the sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies, joining us here. Fun conversation about, uh, well, what uh, basketball, what the NBA might look like if they do end up going with the Orlando bubble plan. And uh, all the players, they get to relocate to Orlando for a few months. Hey, if you're looking to relocate in the St. Louis area, Kevin Miller, he's your guy with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. Call him 314-503-4999. Buying and selling homes for decades now in St. Louis. Your needs are Kevin's needs. And whatever whatever it is that you're looking for in, in trying to buy or sell that home, Kevin is going to help you out. And hey, right now I can tell you this, it's a seller's market. So if you have been thinking about putting your home 
up on uh, up for sale, give him a call. Like, don't hesitate. I mean, houses are selling within hours right now before they even go to market for above what, what you want to list it at. 314-503-4999. That's 314-503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. And find him online at smartmovestl.com. Com. Take a break. Back with Kostaki Economopolis right here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, exclusively on ClabesOnline.com. You're listening to Weekend Joe now on ClabesOnline.com, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Also sponsored by the Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Sponsor of, uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about 10 years now. Collinsville Auto Body, they'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Collinsville Auto Body. And welcome back in to Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass Alton Toyota, Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClabesOnline.com. We go to our third guest of the day, and we welcome on comedian and friend of the show, Kostaki Economopoulos. Kostaki, man, what's up? What's up, Joe? Good to see you, man. You too. I, I know we usually just do our thing at the uh, at the Super Bowl, but with with everything going on and who knows when, when we're going to see sports again, I, I wanted to kind of look into other ventures, other, other things that have been shut down for the time being. And one of those is the world of comedy and just kind of see how, how you're going about it and how, how things are going, you know, going for you in this as well. And I know that you've been pretty active these, uh, these past few months. Now you're, you're based in California now, right? Yeah. We live just South of Hollywood now. Yeah. So, I mean, what has that just been like outside of your profession, but just what has that been like to be living there and the way that, that the state of California is handling all of this? Yeah, it's weird. It's, you know, it's weird for everybody. I don't think that we're in any weirder a place or maybe dramatically less weird than anyone else. But I, but we're happy to not be in New York, which is where we moved from. So we we used to live in a nice but tiny little box in New York City. And uh, we're very happy to not be there. We we have a uh, we moved from New York to LA, so we're the only, we came from the only city that you could look around LA and go, these prices are great. <laughs> uh, so we we have a little townhouse in an outdoor space that's private. So we have a little dog, and we've got a toddler and a eleven year old occasionally, and uh, we're just hunkered down, man. We're just hiding from the world. The weather here is ridiculously perfect and beautiful. And so we're just, you know, my wife and I are trying to tweak up all the weird little income streams that we have because we're both, you know, our big, our big stuff is shut down. So As, have you, uh, have you been to a beach at all lately? Funny enough, we planned to go for the first time uh, yesterday or the day before, and we ended up having some, by LA standards, some terrible weather. So we we shifted that to Monday. So Monday will be our first beach visit of the quarantine. But we occasionally have a we have a little fire pit. We occasionally have a little campfire kind of scene, and we have a hammock. And you know, I, I ride bike ride a bike around the neighborhood in Hollywood once in a while. So, but most of the time we're just here. I, I mean, I've started the car like five times in three months. It's crazy. 
that's i mean i i live on the illinois side of st louis and i have managed outside of driving a mile to walmart to go pick up groceries i i mean i i think i fill my car up with gas maybe once a month now and it's it's wonderful yeah the, right uh, i know especially in la i mean to not drive is really really a gift <laughs> so you say you're so you're in la you're outside of hollywood are you the most famous person in your neighborhood or is there somebody that, you know, another oh, actor that you see often? That's a funny question. The, the, our, we have a, we're in a complex of like eight units and uh, three, four, five of them are actors, depending on how you define acting. Um, uh, and so and I don't know about famous, but you know, they're people who are actively working on projects and doing stuff and, yeah, there's a there's a writer guy that I know that I see once in a while. His kid lives next door, so there's a couple of show business things that you notice hanging around. We we very often we live right near a place that often has shoots. It's it's got parking and a couple of other things that are really convenient. So we very often get the notice that there's going to be a filming in the neighborhood and don't park here and be careful of this. And every once in a while, they even give us like. 50 bucks or 30 bucks or 70 bucks for the inconvenience. Uh, so there's a couple of reminders that you're in show business land once in a while. So is there anything coming out soon that I can possibly see you in the background of riding your bike? <laughs> no, I'm not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> I have done that. I was an extra in Last of the Mohicans way back in the day. Didn't know uh, that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can see me, but they did a bunch of shots of the natives looking at the soldiers marching through the woods, and I was one of like 200 dudes in a wool so suit with a triangle hat. So yeah. you know where you were. Nobody else can tell where you no, are. No, I'm not to be seen. I was, I was an extra in a couple of other horrific movies that you can see me in, but you can't find those movies. They, they're so bad. You can't even, you can't bear to watch them. So you and I have become friends through the Super Bowl over the last nine years. I don't know if you were aware that I do this, but one of the games that I'll play every year at the Super Bowl is I try to see how many channels I can be in the background of during that week. So <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, so whoever is, you know, the, the big TV sets, the morning shows, stuff like that, I will go, and if I know they are on the air, I will just go stand behind it, and I will call people that I know are home or near their TVs, and I will tell them to find me, to find me on that channel and take a picture of the screen, and then I will just tally up how many TV stations I was on during that week. That's hilarious. I love that. I'm gonna, I want to steal that from you if, if and when there's ever sports again. Yeah, it's that, and then the amount of people now that are doing, like, Facebook Lives – for stuff and just go stand behind those and you find out what's fun is to find out what station some of these people are on because you know it just as well as I I mean there's cities and stations from all over the country and trying to figure out where they're from or what their call letters are and then yeah. having to yeah do that because I think last year I was right behind a station it was either San Antonio or Austin Texas and they had the <laughs> Facebook live going the whole time and I basically was the background of this show <laughs> the entire week. <laughs> That's funny, man. I hope yeah. we get to do this again. I, 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 I've daydreamed many times being in Tampa this year, and, I, and somehow I don't see it happening. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the stuff that's come out today now about all of the teams that have had players test, it's, it's kind of looking at it, and you're kind of 
you know, chugging along and you're like, okay, hey, maybe we'll get sports. Maybe we'll get sports. And now today's just been a kick in the gut and thinking, okay, or what, what square are we back to now? I know. Yesterday was interesting because we had, on the same day, we had the announcement of the Hard Knocks teams, the, the two L.A. football teams. And the very same day, Fauci goes, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have football this year. <laughs> it's like, okay. And for you, I, I mean, it's far you, – so if people that aren't familiar, you have your Quick Snaps podcast. You have the – along with the normal set and routine that you, that you do or that you usually go out and tour, you also do the football-centric stuff. So has not having sports, has that helped, hurt? What has that done to the creative writing for, uh, for some of those football jokes? Yeah, I mean, for the – for the uninitiated, I do a thing, a radio segment called Quick Snaps. It's all topical NFL jokes, and I do it about once a week during the season and about once a month in the offseason. And I've had as many as like 20 different places that had me regularly, and I've probably called about 300 different places, you know, once or twice over the whole amount of time. Uh, primarily Bob and Tom, they're a big nationally syndicated radio show. They've been great to me. And so what I've done is I went back to the prior thing I used to do. I used to do a segment called the Economonologue, and every week it's a different subject, and it's almost a, just a writing exercise, like weird phobias, crazy sports traditions, uh, second-tier holidays, you know, uh, bizarre animal mating rituals. So each week is a different subject, and I went back and I grabbed some that I did, you know, like 10, 12, 13 years ago. And I've kind of refreshed them a little and given them a polish up. And I've been doing that. It's been, it's been kind of fun, actually. I'm, I'm surprised, A, how much I like it, and B, how well it's being received. So it's been fun. I'm glad you said the amount of years ago that it was, because as you were talking about that, I was about to mention that that's where I first heard your name, was listening to Bob and Tom back when I first graduated college in 2007. But I didn't want to say how many years ago that was. I'm very happy that you mentioned how many years you know ago what? that was. I didn't know when it was. I don't want to bore all the listeners with the details, but just a, a smidge of uh, personal info for me. I used to do Bob and Tom as a guest on the show, as a comic, and I got so I sort of graduated to... I was a regular guest. They would like to have me in when I was somewhere in town. And we went to the Super Bowl. In the old days, they used to do, they would take the whole staff and a bunch of listeners would win contests and they chartered a plane and they went to the Bahamas for the Super Bowl every year. And it was a big sponsored thing. The resort got all these plugs on the show and there was this big trade out. And so it was the Colts-Bears game. The, that was the mm -hmm. Super Bowl I went to. They invited me to be a com comedian on the show that weekend. So I got to go down there and do that. And just totally by chance, the very next week I was working in Indianapolis, uh, which is where they're based, and they had me in as a guest. And I felt like I had done everything that I had ever thought of that was funny on their show for my act already. And so I did a thing with them called uh, Topical Sounding Jokes. These are jokes that sound like they're from this week, but aren't. And it was basically an excuse to do my favorite jokes that I wrote for another thing. And uh, the stars aligned and it killed on their show. And they got out a rim shot and they came back from ads and had me do a bunch more. And after the show, Tom Griswold pulls me aside. He goes, hey, you think you could do that every week? And I said, yes, I can. Well, knowing that I could not. And I was immediately panicked. Uh, 
But that's how the Econom monologue started. So I started doing a regular segment with that. I called him every, uh, every Wednesday at the time. Uh, for about two and a half years, I did the Econom monologue. Every week was a different subject. That's all. I, I, I mean, that's, that's, and now you're able to bring that back since you haven't done it in a while and it's, it's fresh. And I mean, there's so yeah, many people. I, I don't remember the jokes and I wrote the jokes, you know, so it's, it's been a long time ago. It's kind of fun to have them be repurposed, you know? So when you go back and you listen to stuff that you might've done 15 years ago, do you like it? Is it cringy for you? Because I know going back, if I were to go back and listen to some, an interview yeah. I did 10 years ago, I, yeah. oh my God. God, I would just, I would, I would look at that and think, what, why did anybody give you any money to do this? For yeah, that's right. It's, it's both. Actually, I've been surprised. I'm not surprised that it's, some of it's cringeworthy, uh, but I am surprised that some of it makes me laugh out loud. Like, oh, that's a great joke. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm proud of that joke. Can't wait to tell that one again. That'll be fun. Uh, and some of it's even more boyish than my current style, you know, so it's, it's some of it's extra bass and sort of boyish because that was the demo that I was trying to appeal to. And, you know, I was younger. So, you know, culturally we've evolved, you know, so sometimes I'll, I'll look at the segment and I, there's a line like, I can't say that in 2020. That's, that's, that's yeah. too much. <laughs> or I'll say, I, there's a line that's, it's me being single that just is inappropriate for a married man with two kids to do now. Uh, and sometimes my wife busts my balls like you can't do that joke. What are you talking about? Uh, and she's not wrong. And so it's it's kind of fun to go through and refresh it. And sometimes there's topical references that don't work anymore. There's a there was a Kevin Federline joke in a in a segment that I pulled out recently. And I'm like no one knows who that is anymore. That's gone. So you update it, you refresh it, you write a few new lines, uh, try to reference what's going on currently, and. Uh, save all the good stuff and and it's so much easier than writing something from scratch that's for sure not to get overly political but you go back 15 years any references to donald trump that now you look at uh, today has that come across yeah i absolutely had trump jokes from back then it's kind of funny and it, people forget that but as a new yorker i mean he was just known as like he was just an asshole that lived in New York, you know, he was, he was, he was like a slumlord who was, you know, his daddy had money and he was running around making deals, but nobody knew, nobody seemed to like him. It was just a character that was in New York. And now nobody does. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to believe he's the president. I, some comic had a great line. Like if, uh, if you told me 10 years ago that uh, either Bill Cosby or Donald Trump was going to be the president and the other one was going to be in jail, I would have gotten that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I think I'd, that's Ted Alexandro, actually, if I can give him credit on murdering his joke. <laughs> so as you, uh, so what else, I mean, from a, from a comedian standpoint, you're not able to go tour or do anything. And while, you know, musical artists, they, they can sit in their, in their homes and play their songs and people can watch them streaming it live. As a comedian, you can't do that. I mean, as a comedian, I mean, you need that reaction for that, uh, for that yeah. joke. So what, I, what kind of stuff are you doing? Like, what kind of creativeness have you, have you seen out of the comedy world? Yeah, it's tricky, man. I mean, I, I did do one Zoom show that was actually... 
I put a lot of time and, and prep into it and it ended up being really fun. But, and I loved that I did it. It will be forever in my head as one of the great memories of 2020. How many people you know? did you have? Uh, we met about a hundred people. It was cool. Okay. And, it's, and it kind of works because it's a giant Zoom call essentially, and you can hear them react. So you can do set up, punch, laugh, pause, interaction, crowd work even. It does work, but it's completely weird and strange and challenging at the same time. So you don't want to build a career on that kind of a situation. So mostly I've been focusing on the other things that are stand up adjacent. You know, I've been doing a thing on, uh, I've been doing two Facebook live shows. Come find me. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's my fan page, Kostaki Economopolis. If you get close, they'll, you'll get there. Um, I think if you just type in Kostaki E, I think uh, yeah, yeah, that, that should you'll, pop up. Yeah. You'll find me. Uh, I've been doing two things. One you'll love. And in fact, you should be a guest on it. Uh, I, I've been doing 50 toasts. So it's my effort to talk to 50 friends over the course of a year. It's just a one-on-one hour-long talk. And in the last month or so, we focused a lot on sort of social justice issues. I happen to have a friend, one of my great friends lives in Minneapolis. So, you know, three weeks ago, I called him and we talked about his crazy week and he was afraid the house is going to be burned down and some of the experiences that he had. And then uh, my mom gave me a hard time because we were, you know, thinking about what to do next and talking about, you know, culture and my mom said, two white guys talking about social, you need to talk to somebody who doesn't look like you. So the next week I called Al Jackson, great, hilarious African-American comedian, very smart guy. He was able to distill a lot of complicated ideas. And that was a great talk. And this week I talked to Todd McComas, who's a great comic out of Indianapolis and a former cop. So that was a very interesting conversation as well. Um, so we've been, we've been having that cultural conversation in that setting, 9 p.m. on Thursdays on my Facebook channel. And this one, I want you to be a guest sometime. We're doing a thing called Fantasy Throwback on Wednesdays. We have two contestants. Uh, we tell them what the NFL game is that I brought to them today. We have eight players, and we have a little mini draft. And then we watch a highlight package of the game, and we see who, uh, who wins. So we have a little fantasy game of a game that already happened. It's, like uh, it. it's really weird how fun it is. Uh, it works. Yeah, you tell me when. I'm, I'm all for that. Absolutely. It's, yeah, uh, remind me. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you in for sure. I'm, I'm going to do it first Wednesdays for the next uh, forever. Uh, first Wednesdays of the month, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern on my Facebook channel. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that everybody, you know, we, we joked about it beforehand, just getting on here and getting everything going with the, with the chat, too, that – the amount of technology and stuff that a lot of us have had to learn and it kind of gives it, you know, it gives us a lot of respect for those IT guys that just kind of, you know, they look <laughs> at you stupidly when you, uh, when you ask them questions on how to do stuff. And now we're all trying to figure that, that stuff out now, right. along with trying to be creative enough to stay relevant through all of this. Yeah, sure. Right. It's hard because it's, you know, the world is not uh, what it used to be. So things are very different and that's part of the challenge. Um, you know, I still do all the other little things. I'm still calling radio stations. I'm still tweeting jokes and writing NFL jokes and goofing around with ideas and memes and, you know, all of the little parts are there. But the big thing of doing live stand-up is, you know, it's gone for now. It's, it hurts a little, man. It's And it's a financial disaster, but... 
creatively, it's 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 hard. I I, I miss it. It's, it's such a beautiful, simple form, you know. I love stand-up. Do you have like have you written a ton of new jokes that you're just waiting to tell in front of an audience? Do you have a do you have like a new set and stuff that you just you cannot wait to to perform in front of a room of hundreds of people? Well, you know, it's it's I do have a bunch of COVID jokes that I was kind of developing just as like the road was closing, you know? And so I've got sort of a I've got about a 10 minute chunk about that stuff and how we're experiencing it. Um, you know, I wish I'd put money in Zoom. I put all my money in Royal Caribbean. Hmm, tough draw, you know, stuff like that. So so that stuff works and that's fun. That'll be fun to tell and do someday when it's when we're back. And of course, going forward, there'll be a whole nother wave of crazy things that will happen and things that we'll talk about. And, you know, it's, I, I, I miss it. But also I've been embracing this kind of new life of not being a road comic. And I spent more time being a dad and a husband. And, you know, I've been really busy. I, I don't have as much time as I used to because we used to have a babysitter some of the time and I can go to a coffee shop and write some jokes. And now it's just me and the wife chasing the toddler around. I keep seeing uh, uh, these posts on social media, like Isaac Newton did his best work when he was in quarantine. Well, I bet he didn't have a two-year-old jumping on his head the whole time. You just, I mean, you saw before we started, before I hit record, my son comes down here with a cheese stick that he needed me to open and then just tells me he's going to go watch a movie on his tablet and runs away. And I'm just, like, it, you would think after three months of this, when he sees me sitting down here with my laptop <laughs> on my lap, with the headset on my head, that yeah. he should have it figured out by now that, oh, dad's working. It's I probably, time. right. And the amount of people that he that I have had him just he'll walk up and stick his head into these interviews and just wave, just like three months in, you can't figure this out yet. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe you shouldn't have passed first grade. I don't know. <laughs> you see, that's you. You have a toddler. You haven't had. You didn't have to deal with the whole two months of teaching from home and all that. You you got very lucky. Well, it depends how you define lucky. We have, a, we have an 11-year-old some of the time, too. Um, but for my taste, for my money, an 11-year-old is way easier than a 2-year-old. You know, 2-year-old is, you got to cut her grapes in half. She doesn't choke and die. You know, there's, there's diapers and things. And it's this, the self-play is, there's not enough of that yet. You know, it's a lot of hands-on stuff, man. Yeah, that 11-year-old can make their own breakfast. That's that's one thing that uh, yeah. at six or seven, they can't do the breakfast. They can wake up. They can turn on the TV. <laughs> I do not trust him at all to pour himself a bowl of cereal. That's just, <laughs> no. That I will get up at 7 a.m. to pour that rather than spending a half an hour cleaning up a gallon of milk that's poured, that's spilled <laughs> all over the kitchen. <laughs> it's an interesting time that we'll never forget. That's for no. sure. So what? Uh, so outside of that, uh, you you said people can find you on uh, on Facebook. Where else are you? Are you yeah, posting I mean, stuff I'm, these days? I'm pretty active on the big three. Whatever your favorite is, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, in those places, I'll steer you back to the Facebook fan page to do the uh, Facebook live shows Wednesdays and Thursdays at nine Eastern. Those are good fun. One's fantasy throwback. Super silly, fun, sport, missing sports, come, jo- come join us. We miss sports too. And the other one is, uh, at least lately, been a little bit heavier talks about sort of what's going on in the world. So come join uh, either or both. We'd love to have you. 
Awesome. That's Kostaki Economopoulos, the uh, the comedian, our guest here, Kostaki. Thank you so much, man. I look forward to uh, to joining you on one of your uh, on your show. Excellent. Let's do it. All right, man. Thanks for having me. That's a good friend of mine, Kostaki Economopoulos. Uh, you probably recognize the name from Bob and Tom but has uh, been around for quite some time and uh, really glad that uh, I've gotten to know him over the last decade of covering, well, not only just regular sports, but going getting to do the uh, the Super Bowl each and every year. Hey, this is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on Claves Online, also sponsored by Collinsville Auto Body. 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville is the home of Collinsville Auto Body. They work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast at Collinsville Auto Body. We come back. Andy Hanselman will uh, jump back on, and we'll get some crack slippers before we get you out of here on this episode of Weekend Joe, right here on ClabesOnline.com. Recent events have shown that life can turn in an instant. This has caused many people to realize that estate planning is essential. The Inskip Law Firm is here to help with everything from trusts and wills to power of attorney, deeds, and probate. They have systems in place to service your needs without having to have an in-person consultation, flat fees so that you know what you're paying ahead of time, and they make the whole process easy. Call now, 314-818-0344. Just a quick chat and you decide together what services are right for your situation. That's the Inskip Law Firm, I-N-S-K-I-P. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. And welcome back in. Final segment of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, right here on ClabesOnline.com. Joe Roderick, Andy Hanselman, back with you after a uh, nice little trio of interviews that we have brought you this week, wrapping things up uh, for the uh, for the weekend. Again, it's a Andy Hanselman's birthday weekend, uh, the big 4-3 this, uh, today, actually. If you're listening to this on Saturday, be sure to uh, tweet at Andy or post or text or whatever and wish him a, a happy birthday today for uh for the uh the big four three andy we uh we we had the interviews we uh we as we try to roll out here towards the end of the uh end of the show want to remind people that Klabes and i will have our lunch show on monday right now we are looking at the forecast and trying to figure out if uh if we are going to have that on on remote somewhere there were a few places that we've talked about doing it, but now with the weather forecast looking the way it does, we're not quite sure if uh, if we're planning on having it somewhere or not. So stay tuned to social media for any of uh, any of that this uh, this weekend. Andy, before we uh, before we wrap things up for the uh, for the show, we need to do some crack slippers. With that being said, can you do the honors? Oh, I love to, Joe. Some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news. We picked those stories up here on Weekend Joe. These are the Crack Slippers with Joe Roderick on ClavesOnline.com. Andy, uh, college football edition of uh, the uh, the Crack Slippers today. As we um, as as we we really don't get into much college football, but we are a few months away from the uh, start of the season. Andy, first off, so this is the 2020 season, right? Right. 
Okay, so, you know, we always start off with some big games, and it's always nice to look at the schedule the first few weeks, the non-conference games, which big non-conference games there's going to, they're going to be. Like this year, Ohio State and Oregon are playing each other this year. Uh, at Oregon, yeah. And it's not one of those games that's like in Atlanta to start the season or at Jerry World to start the season. Like this game is at Oregon. Next year, Ohio State is hosting Oregon. So that's a, a home and home. I mean, that's that's pretty exciting. Something to look forward to, right? Absolutely. Well, this is what I really enjoy is when college football teams schedule games out to where kids like aren't even in grade school yet that are going to be playing in these games. Oh, no. Uh, it was announced this week that in 2027 okay. and 2028, Ohio State and Alabama will be playing a home-and-home. Home. Wow. Those kids are now in... So they're, they're 10. Eight, they're 10. They're 10. They're in fifth grade. Yeah. How about this? Uh, 2030 and 2031, Ohio State's playing a home-and-home home against Georgia. Okay. Andy, technically, Hudson very well could be in that game. Technically, yes. yes. Could be. It very well. I mean, he, he is about to turn seven. He is in. He is about to be in second grade. <clears throat> Andy, I mean, I, I believe... I believe he is in the class... Of 2031, so that means he would graduate in May of 2031 from yes. high school. Yes. So he very well could be the uh, a true freshman quarterback for Ohio State or Georgia in that game. Joe, that'd be very exciting. We would definitely have to go to that game. I imagine, Andy, that if my son is quarterbacking for Ohio State or Georgia, I'm going to guess I will be at every single one of those games. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I will find a nice booster to just pay for my plane ticket or whatever they need right. to uh, pay me to make sure that Hudson stays at that school. Right. The same way that I'm sure he'll be recruited to maybe one day go to Edwardsville. Absolutely. He will. Yep. <laughs> and you know what, Andy, what's exciting too is let's just say in this hypothetical world that Hudson plays football and goes to Ohio state or Georgia, and maybe they don't have the greatest season maybe they don't go to whatever playoff system there is by 2031 and they just have a mediocre season in the big 10 of the sec well andy he could very well play in the duke's mayo bowl i'm sorry the what andy you're you're familiar with the belk bowl right the uh the belk bowl that's ever played every bowl season yes well, Andy, that, uh, that's been renamed. As the Duke Mayonnaise Bowl. Duke's Mayo Bowl. Mayo, not mayonnaise. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Duke's Mayonnaise, by the way. It's, mayo, by, it's delicious. It's, oh, it's, it's, I have it in my fridge right now. I do, too. It's some of the best mayo available. Yeah. So, But now, but now there's a Duke's Mayo Bowl game. It has replaced the Belk Bowl. Andy Hanselman, Joe Roderick, alongside with you guys. Welcome to the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl game. Live from uh, where where would where would that be played, Joe? Oh, uh, that's in Charlotte. In, in Charlotte, North. today's uh, paid attendance fifteen thousand two. <laughs> that's about what I'm guessing the Belk Bowl would bring in. Yeah, that may be, and that was 
that was maybe conservative. Yeah. So I, I have I have already seen reports that there's a possibility that the Idaho Potato Bowl winner and the Duke's Mayo Bowl winner will get together and play a potato salad bowl game um after after that so it's uh, it's good that we're just kind of expanding the bowl game now, season do you, do you play that game alongside the the, uh, the tostitos bowl I, I mean you're not dipping your tostitos in the potato salad you're just talking about having a nice little spread of sides that's correct yeah what about the, uh, bringing the orange bowl that's you can just load it up with a bunch of i'll tell you this hey this is for fatness by the way right <laughs> Last week, last week, uh, we, I ordered, so I'll, I'll just, I'll give them a free plug, whatever. So sugar fire, I really like sugar fire. Yeah. You're a big fan. And I am a huge fan of sugar fire. Um, last, so usually what gets me, is like a picture of whatever this, the, whatever the, um, you know, the special of the day is, whether it be a sandwich or wings or something like that. But then they also list their entire sides for the week. Right. Or for that day, Andy, their list of sides was so good. One day uh, last week, I went and I ordered four quarts of them. Well, what kind of sides were they, Joe? Uh, one was rib meat hash uh, hash brown casserole. That sounds terrible. One was a spinach souffle. That sounds terrible. Uh, one was their mac and cheese. I, I know that's awful. I, for the life of me, I cannot remember what the uh, what the final one was that I had to go get that looked so good that I had. So what is it? Today's June 9th. So I'm looking through the uh, the list of all of their sides to see what day it would have been that I would have gone and uh, and possibly done that. Oh, is the crazy corn. Crazy corn. Yeah. What's in the crazy corn? Uh, it... yeah, they have a nice little sauce in it with a bunch of peppers and onions and tomatoes oh, and, nice. and whatnot. Yeah, it's just a nice little corn casserole that they uh, that they have. And so, yeah, I, I went. I, I did not get whatever their special was that day. I did not get any meat. I went and I ordered four sides. Well, good for you. <laughs> they get me. Way... I have given them so much money during quarantine. It's not even funny. <laughs> It, it really, and that's, and now that I started riding this new bike trail to Edwardsville, yeah, it's about 12 and a half miles to the Sugar Fire in Edwardsville. That's going to yeah. be dangerous one of these days as well. Yeah, we have to, we're going to, we're going to have to meet up for, uh, for lunch or something one day when you ride your bike up here. Yeah, that, and I guess there's that chicken salad place too. Have you eaten there? I have eaten there. It's a chicken salad chick. It's delicious. Is it? Okay. Cause that one catches my eye as well. Oh yeah. Well, I'll be riding by there about 8 a.m. tomorrow, uh, Saturday morning. So that's way too early for chicken salad. It is. So until then, Andy, we'll uh, we'll make our plans. We will uh, we'll definitely make some plans and uh, and do that soon. You have yourself a wonderful birthday. Thank you. And we will uh, we will reconvene next week and put on another uh, another just awesome show as we do each and every weekend here on Weekend Joe, driven by St. Louis Acura, Munganess St. Louis Acura, Munganess Alton Toyota for Andy Hanselman, for our guest today. I am Joe Roderick. This has been another edition of Weekend Joe right here exclusively on ClavesOnline.com. Weekend Joe, driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura here on uh, 
ClabesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation that is Munganess. St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClabesOnline.com.